We go about our steady lives, going to work every day. But one thing we do want to think about is the day that we stop working. So today we're going to talk about that word, retirement. But also as you're working, you want to talk about how do you save to reach that point. So sit back, let's have a talk about the ABCs of retirement and savings. Good evening, everyone. I'd like to thank you for uh, tuning in this evening to the first of a couple of series that uh, that we'll be uh, doing, focusing on you and your finances and how do you have better financial health. Uh, financial health is very important. And so when we look at the ABCs uh, for retirement and saving, this is more than just where you are at the present moment, but this is also looking at where you want to be. And so for most things, we often look at the present tense and say, well, I don't have this right now. But we also have to be always be planning and looking down the road instead of taking one step ahead. Sometimes we take one step and we have to look at least three or four steps down the road. It does not mean that everything will always work out that way, but it does supply a good uh, foundation for growth. It gives you a good foundation of knowledge and it gives you something that will be a catalyst for future growth. So basically we're asking these uh, five things of what we want to get from uh, this training or from this workshop. One is understanding what is your current financial position. Uh, to look at personal wants versus essential needs to talk about why having a budget is important, uh, to learn how to budget, and then how do you plan for retirement? And those last two things are really a big learning curve uh, for a lot of us. And as we talk through it, we'll see why uh, most people go through the pains of not keeping a budget and also the pains of how they are not prepared uh, for retirement. And as you can see, that long, windy road with the different points in the road, that is what we're doing. You know, we're looking at where we are right now, but we also have to look down this windy road. Notice the road isn't straight. It's a little windy, but it doesn't mean that what we're doing is going to be steep or, or difficult. But it does let us know that as we move through life, things aren't always going to go down a straight path but having a plan does help for that preparation. So by show of hands, who are you? You know, who are you? What makes you who you are? And so a lot of this is getting to know you. You know, there was an old popular song that talked about getting to know you, getting to know all about you. And so a major part of, of, of understanding uh, how to save is first recognize what is your attitude towards money? What is your attitude towards finances? And so for most people, you know, you come in two categories. You're either a person who likes to save money or you're going to be a person who likes to spend money. Um, some people don't always like to, you know, ask for assistance. You know, are you an outgoing person that will be more willing to share information 
are you more of a closed person who may not be as willing to share? You know, some people are just not good with money. Are you good with money? Are you a fiscal conservative person? Are you more of a, a general liberal when it comes to money? How is your attitude and approach? Not a political viewpoint, but a personal standpoint of whether you are a little bit more fiscal on your conservative side as to whether you believe in being able to save for that rainy day or are you just letting the dollars fly? Um, do you have a budget? You know, if you do, great. If you don't, do you follow it? You know, do you have, you know, a savings account or a 401k or stocks? And how often do you check your, you know, how often do you balance your checkbook? You know, do you balance it daily, once a month, or even never? Uh, a lot of people will fall into that never uh, category. So, all of these things are a good part of getting to know uh, who you are. So getting to know yourself also looks at what is your spending personality? Are you one of those that like to buy today, worry about it later, buy today, think about repaying it later? Uh, money's not a thing. You know, are you one of those that'll say, we'll buy it today, we'll borrow, you know, tomorrow? Um, are you one that says, hey, I'm only a, a person who shops when things are on sale? Are you the coupon clipper? Or if you don't have the money in hand, you're not going to buy it. Are you going to save today and buy tomorrow? And I'm going to focus on that one a little bit later. So a big part of you is understanding um, who you are. So on page five, you know, of your of your uh, of your booklet, you have a, a fiscal quotient. This is what I created. I called it a FQ, you know, and it's a financial quotient. It's the equivalent of an IQ test. So I'm not trying to measure your intelligence. I'm measuring your fiscal intelligence. And so it just opens up the awareness of how you relate to money. So uh, when you have spare time, I want you to work through this and, and really answer those phrases and questions uh, very honestly. And so because there is no right or wrong answer to this FQ. And like I say at the bottom, you know, if you have a score below 70, you know, it could indicate that you have a problem but do not worry. This FQ is a score that it doesn't sink you. It's something that you can build and improve upon. And so as you sharpen your financial, you know, quotient, you also sharpen your fiscal standards. You, you, you sharpen your personal survival, your, your personal responsibility as it relates to how do I save for the rainy day? How do I save for retirement? How do I save for the legacy? You know, what do I do to pass down? You know, so a lot of those things move into that, that fiscal, you know, quotient. And so, you know, it is a good indicator just for where you are right now, but then try it a month later. Try it two months later, you know, and always look to see how that score is doing.
because basically getting to know you is getting to know that attitude and how do you change that attitude as time goes by. So Will Rogers uh, said, too many people spend money that they haven't earned to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like. And I can get with that. You know, this is very similar to trying to keep up with the Joneses. Um, it's like watching a lot of reality TV and then your life becomes reality TV without all the glitz and glamour that comes behind it. So that paradise that you see on TV really becomes a nightmare in reality. And so I could sum it up as, you know, we often have this backwards. We buy, we, 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 we buy what we want. We save for what we need. We have it in reverse. We should be buying what we need, saving for what we want. Because a lot of times what we want may not be necessarily what we need, even at the present time. Um, and you can ask that with buying clothes, with buying cars, with anything that has some tangible you know, value to it. You often see people buy more what they want than what they need. And then when people don't have what they need, they ask someone else, hey, can you supply this need for me? Well, we shouldn't have to supply that need for you if you separate how you spend that money. How do you attribute those dollars? How do you, you know, cut those dollars apart and put them back together for what you need? So we as adults, you know, we are simply big kids with money and we're big kids with money and we're big kids with responsibility. And so that's why when we look at building foundation, we realize that everyone is different. We realize that when it comes to the attitude of, of money and the understanding of, of fiscal platforms, everyone is different and everyone has a different opinion. And so we're not trying to tell you that we must all be robots. However, conformity can create fiscal calamity. I'm going to say that again. Conformity can create financial calamity. When we try so hard to live like someone else, we hurt ourselves because we're not living within the money and around the budgeting and around the finances and resources that we have. Our eyes get too big. You know, we think that grass is greener. And I'll, I'll tell you a story. I, I used to uh, house sit, you know, for, for doctors. And I remember going up there. One of my friends also house sat for another doctor. And we would talk. And, you know, we would look at the other houses. And, I mean, these were million-dollar houses that we house sit for. And at the end of the day, some of the houses were really nice. But a lot of the houses were shells. They spent so much money on the house. What did they have to sleep on or furniture? It was just basically window dressing. And so, yes, conformity can create financial cala uh, calamity.
And so that's why budgeting and finance becomes so important, even not only for an individual, but also for a family. Families need to learn the value of money. Why? Because the family is a unit. If you live by yourself, you are still a unit. You're just a unit of one, but you still have responsibility. It may not be as much as a family of three or four, but nonetheless, you still possess those responsibilities. And so what we do in our attitudes are what we pass down to our children is what they will learn. And it's the money and financial habits that they will acquire. They learn it from us. And so, yes, it is important that we teach good habits because bad habits die hard. Good habits take a lot of time to form. But bad habits come on quick, they stay strong, and they die hard. And so uh, Barbara uh, Coloroso said, you know, what's important, you know, and I'll paraphrase her, you know, she was talking about what was important for kids to learn and to teach them to learn about money, how to earn it, how to win it, inherit it, spend it, save it, give it. And that's what she says money, handling money is about. And she said, that's why we give kids an allowance. And so, yeah, it is very true. And so on page nine, you know, of the work uh, of your of your booklet, you know, there's a wants versus needs activity in your spare time. Look at the things that you spend your money on. And this will help prioritize or help you to see first before you can prioritize but to give you a good idea about where are those dollars spent. And then it helps you also review what is good for you. And so once you discover that, that foundation is now in place. Now we can start to build. And so now the foundation has been laid. Now it's time to start putting in those pillars, starting to build that foundation for what we would like to see in the future. And so we're looking at building, building your personal self, building your family for the future. So why budget? Budgeting is a part of that building tool. If the foundation is getting to know you, then budgeting is represents the walls and then your future becomes the roof but you can't put the walls up until you have a foundation and so now once you know who you are now you can start to look at why should i budget and the big thing about knowing how to budget is why should you budget? Why should I budget? Why should we budget? Well, budgeting, it just, it's a spending plan. That's all it is. And is it difficult to master? Sometimes it can be because it does take a lot of determination. It does take a lot of what it takes a lot of discipline because what if I told you that no matter what walk of life that we live in, 
almost 90% of all of America lives on a fixed income. No, it can't be true, Keith. It, it, yes, it is. Because every other week, I get a deposit into my account. And that deposit is the same all year long. It does not change. And so for most people, they are in that same situation. For our more silver-haired seniors that even are on Social Security, that Social Security is a fixed amount that they get every month. They may get a cost of living increase. They might not. On your job, you might get a raise. You might not. If you're hourly, you try to work more hours. But if you look at on average of what you do, we all live on a fixed income. So that budget just makes sure of two things. One, that we're meeting our obligations. And two, we're enjoying our money. Yes, enjoying your money. Sometimes we work so hard and we forget to have fun. We work, we work, we work, we pay bills, we pay bills, we pay bills. But how much do we enjoy the money that we make? So, yes, uh, budgeting takes discipline, but it also ensures that we can meet our obligations and enjoy the dollars that we're earning through the professions uh, that we are in. So similar to Shakespeare, to budget or not to budget? You know, that's the question. And so you see 10 reasons why people should budget. And I'm not going to touch on all 10, but I'm going to look at a few of these to see what exactly you know, so what, what sticks out. One is to figure out a long-term goal and to work towards it. Or them. What types of goals do you have? Are you saving for a house? Are you saving for a car? Are you needing to have a deck repaired? Are you uh, looking to take that dream vacation to Europe? Are you wanting to take that cruise onto the Caribbean? Are you wanting to go to the Mexican Riviera? Are you wanting to take that Alaskan crew? What type of long-term goal do you have? It's hard to work at it if you don't know what's coming in and more importantly, what is going out. Um, also, preparing for unintended emergencies. You know, do you have an emergency fund? That's a part of your budget. How much money do you set aside for your emergency fund? Some people, you know, say three months, you know, I recommend six months. Some people, uh, even in bigger financial surfaces, say a year. But six months of at least having an emergency fund that if something were to happen to you, um, if you could not work, if you were hurt, if you get fired, if you're moving uh, spe uh, special you know, to my friends out there, especially those that like to, um, what's a uh, flip your zip code, you know, the flip the zip, you know, are you moving from different locations? Then yes, you have to have something saved up because you may not start working right away. So how do you, how do you plan for 
unexpected emergencies or, or movements. We're not talking about credit cards. I'm talking about paying the essentials, your electricity, utility bills, your mortgage or your rent. Six months, you know, should you have in case something happens. It keeps you more organized. It helps you sleep at night. You know, some people don't sleep well because they're always worried about money. And so, yes, it does do it. And for those that are married, you know, having a budget and, and understanding money keeps peace in your marriage because it's a team effort, not an individual goal. So why shouldn't, so why don't you budget? You know, for some, eh, it doesn't sound very positive. Uh, for others, they're afraid. You know, for others, they just don't know how. You know, for some, you may have tried to budget in the past and it didn't work. So you said, well, you know, if it didn't work for me before, it's not going to work for me now. So why should I try? Um, for some people, they're just not motivated, you know, to budget. Uh, for some things, it reveal it's revealing. It reveals secrets, things that you might have been hiding. You know, uh, the 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 Friday night beer, you know, rallies after work or, you know, the, the shopping on on Amazon or the shopping on eBay. It, it exposes you at times and then it breaks down that ego. It breaks down the, and it sometimes it builds barriers. But a good budget helps you not uh, run away from the confrontation but it does help you to build what you're looking for. So what's in your, what's in your budget? You know, it sounds like a very uh, popular, you know, the slogan from, from Capital One when they asked the question, but what's in your budget? You know, looking at your payments, your regular payments, your fixed payments, um, car payments or fixed payments, mortgage payments, if you don't have escrow or fixed payments, then you have variable payments. Those are your credit card payments, uh, things that might go up and down every month, but you know that they are there. Then you might have miscellaneous expenses that, you know, if you, um, people that have PlayStations or Xboxes or you have kids or you like movies or, you know, you want to get that Disney Plus or the Amazon Prime or the Hulu. You know, and and you because, you know, you listen to the commercial, you know, when you hear him talk about Hulu does doesn't have live sports. It has TV and everything else. But those are miscellaneous things. And so some people are also afraid of budgeting because they think that the budget that you're doing is unrealistic. Um, why sometimes budgets can't work because you overthink it. Sometimes you get overwhelmed by it. Sometimes you think that there's no fun in doing that because now, you know, I can't go out and buy on the fly that 70 inch TV because I know it's not in my budget, but I know that I ought to not have that at the present moment. It doesn't mean that I can't have it in the future, but I may not want it right now. And so all of these things 
are what plays a role in that development. And so a lot of times, you know, we're not, you're not working together with your people or your family unit with your budgeting. And then sometimes people get too impulsive, you know, with their spending or they're too impulsive with their savings and it just destroys what you're trying to do. So yes, there are extremes on both sides of that, of that window. It just depends on which way you're wanting to go. So on page 16 um, of your booklet, we're looking at how do you create, you know, these budgets. And as you can see, you have expenses there. You know, these are just some things that, you know, I thought about, you know, that an average person, you know, might have. And you notice when you look at that, you know, childcare, you know, you notice that a necessary expense is retirement. You know, if you live in a, in a subdivision, you might have a homeowner's you know, association fee, you know, you pay insurance or you pay renters insurance. If you, if you're renting, you know, if you have a loan payments, auto insurance, you also see something for fuel and auto repairs. You know, what if you got to fix your car? Is that a part of your budget? You know, if you have trash and sewer utilities, groceries, basic things that we need. So jot down what you think your monthly estimate for those things are. And then at the end of the month, go back through and see how much you really spent. And also with your income, you notice that there's only one slot for that monthly income. There's no estimate. Your monthly income is what it is. And so you'll be able to more adequately, you know, prep and not only just prep, but it will give you the ability to make adjustments. Because your budget is not something that you create for the year and let it sit. It's something that you review every month. You review it every month to make sure that you're tracking. Sometimes you might be able to make a change in your budget. What if you pay off a credit card bill? Well, now you don't have that expense anymore. So where do you move those funds to? Maybe you had a reduction in a payment. Where do those funds get moved to? So everything has a purpose and everything most definitely has a place in that grant scheme of, of saving. And so that budget that you see, um, it just helps you understand your income and your expenses. And it helps you build, you know, that workable budget. So now here comes the future. We have built a foundation. We have put walls up on this budget for our present with future goals, but now we're going to cap it with retirement. And I want, and on um, the slide, I have a picture of uh, some, uh, some dice, looks like a little crossword puzzle. And it says ideas, saving money, retirement planning. I call it ideas for saving money. That is your retirement planning in a nutshell. They're just ideas and, and ways to find vehicles for you to save money. And so there are some misconceptions out there. And these were some of the stats I, were, I was uh, referring to earlier. You know, one of them is the, the, mis, the, the uh, misconception that um, 
Most people can't save enough for retirement, you know, that they have to work until they're dead. Um, you, uh, you know, you comb through and you see that, you know, a quarter of the working people don't have a retirement account. Almost two thirds, almost three fourths of them say they don't have enough money for retirement. And some of them don't participate in their active 401k programs at their job. I tell you that you have to plan for retirement as hard as you work. Because what happens when you no longer work? It doesn't mean that your expenses go away. But it does mean that you're in a different way of thinking. Now, when you hit those retirement years, you're thinking more of, you know, piddle in the garden, taking that cruise, taking a trip that you've always wanted to take. But you can't do that if you're working until you die. You can't do that if you're not saving for those days. And so the elephant in the room is what do you need to do in order to have a good retirement and to make sure those dollars stretch far enough into those golden years of your retirement. Then also what you think about future planning is what are you going to leave behind? You know, what will you leave for your kids? You know, your grandkids, you know, how do you, how do you leave that legacy so that when they start to build like you are, you've already given them a head start where you've already put their foundation in place so that now they can build on that foundation and have that benefit last them for another generation. So living through life is like a butterfly. You know, you metamorph, you know, you start off as a caterpillar, you go, go into this cocoon, then you come out a beautiful butterfly. You know, that's really the struggle how we work. We work so hard like that caterpillar, you know, struggling to get up that tree and to eat and to survive. But then as we're working, we're building and transforming ourselves so that on the other side, we're no longer having to struggle as hard, but things become a whole lot easier. So those variables that we look at when we plan, you know, it's how long do we need to plan? How much should you save? You know, how much should you set aside every month? How much do you have saved up already? You know, how much do you want to have prior to retirement? And the most important thing, and the one thing that we do not know is how long will we live if we reach that retirement age? That's the one thing that we do not know. That is the biggest variable. You know, they, you know, they put out the life expectancy factors for men and for women. But if that's the case, then do we have enough to reach that expects that ex, uh, the ex, uh, the expensy number and or exceed it? And if we exceed it, are we going to outlast our money? And then also understanding what is our return on investments? What will our tax statuses look like in retirement? You know, your tax status changes, you know, unless you have that job that you make more money 
it retired than you did working, most tax uh, statuses are going to change. And so that's the time where you uh, you get in touch with your, you know, financial planners, you know, your accountants and really have that discussion about what, you know, that retirement should look like and how it should work for you. So for the average person, you know, you're primarily, you know, your source of income comes from work. And then we have to diversify, you know, those funds, you know, long gone are the days of having pensions, you know, and really more employer funded, you know, type of retirement plans. You know, now most uh, workers and employers, we're now under a employee defined plan where we have these 401ks. We uh, save for our kids to uh, college and we save for, you know, through the, the you know, the four, the, the 529s and the, you know, the uh, IRAs, the CESAs, the, the Coverdale educational, you know, savings accounts. But what do we look at as those potential sources of income? You know, do you have a savings account? Do you have stocks or bonds, insurance policies? Um, Social Security, of course, your 401k, your pension, if you do receive one, you know, your IRAs, both your traditional and your Roths, for those that have, you know, annuities, for people who own real estate, all of these things are sources of income. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Let's Have a Talk with Keith. You can find me on Facebook at The Lindsay Group. You can also find me on YouTube at Dr. Keith Lindsay. Don't forget, you have a voice. Don't be afraid to use it. See you next time.